Back in 2009, the economist Stephen Levitt and his sidekick Stephen Dubner accomplished what some would have said was impossible. These two men wrote a book that made the field of economics sound exciting. The book was entitled Freakonomics, maybe some of you read it, and it eventually spawned a radio show with the same name. Now, in 2012, the Freakonomics radio show devoted an entire 40-minute episode to a topic that is near and dear to my heart, and that's the topic of hand-washing. Hand-washing, as it turns out, has a pretty interesting history. It began back in the mid-19th century at the Vienna General Hospital, which was considered at the time one of the foremost research centers. However, the maternity ward of the Vienna General Hospital did not have such a great reputation. You see, one in six women would die from what was known as childbed fever if their child was delivered by a doctor. Now, you might ask, well, who else but a physician would help to deliver the child? And here's where the story gets interesting. You see, the Vienna General Hospital had not one, but two maternity wards. One that was staffed by doctors who were all male, and the other that was staffed by uh, midwives who were all female. But the death rate in the midwives ward was far lower than the maternity ward staffed by doctors. And this discrepancy caught the attention of a new arrival at the hospital. Ignis Semmelweis, a newly minted Hungarian-born physician, had just come onto the staff. And the difference between the two maternity wards hit him like a slap in the face. What on earth could be causing the disparity? You didn't need a medical degree to see that something that the physicians were doing was causing these young mothers to become infected. But what? Now, keep in mind that this is the mid-1800s. We don't have yet a, any kind of germ theory, so all of the experts were just groping in the dark for an answer. Some blame the sickness on the fragility of the mothers. The doctors theorized that perhaps it was the embarrassment of giving birth in the presence of a man that caused these mothers to go into shock. Well, Dr. Semmelweis didn't buy it. And with some keen observation and good detective work, he discovered a clue. He realized that the midwives spent their entire day in the maternity ward. However, many of the physicians in training would spend their mornings doing autopsies and their afternoons in the maternity ward, and somehow this difference was to blame. So he ordered that every medical attendant who entered the maternity ward had to wash his hands in a chlorine solution before seeing his patients. And within six months, the death rate of the maternity ward staffed by doctors had plummeted. And thus begins the modern history of handwashing. Now here's the point. The physicians were unaware that their hands were unclean. And they were unaware that unclean as they were, their dirty hands were bringing all sorts of death and disease to everyone they touched. And friends, this gives us a picture of what is true for all humankind, spiritually speaking. That is, my friends, we are all deathly unclean until God and God alone makes us clean again. 
Just like the most highly educated physicians at the Vienna General Hospital were completely unaware of their uncleanliness, we see in today's reading from Mark that even the most highly educated religious leaders can be completely oblivious to what makes a person spiritually unclean. So let's turn to Mark chapter 7. The scene begins with a verbal sparring match with Jesus and his disciples on one side and the scribes and the Pharisees on the other. Mark sets the stage this way. He says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who'd come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of Jesus' disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, friends, when you and I talk about hand-washing, what we're really talking about is physical hygiene. That is, we wash our hands to get rid of germs and contaminants. But that's not what these Pharisees and scribes have in mind here. They have no concept of germs or bacteria or viruses. No, their concern is not about biology, but about theology. That is, what makes a person clean or unclean to God? What makes a person acceptable or unacceptable to God? That's what this dust-up is all about. Now, these scribes and Pharisees, they have developed this whole tradition about the washing of hands and cups and couches as a way to symbolize before God that they know that they are unclean and that they know that they need God Almighty to make them clean. That's what this whole hand-washing business symbolizes, God's willingness to make us clean and our desperate need for him to do so. But here's the funny thing about religious symbols. The purpose of religious symbols is to point us to the things of God. The cross is meant to point us to Jesus' saving work on Calvary. The dove is meant to point us to the gentleness of the Holy Spirit This whole washing of hands business was meant to point the people of God toward their need for God's cleansing forgiveness. But religious symbols have this curious tendency. Over time, religious symbols have a way of being elevated to replace the very thing that they were meant to symbolize. This washing of hands and pots and vessels, that's not what makes a person clean before God. But it's as if these Pharisees believed that it did. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Well, Jesus responds. He responds to their accusation with a warning about elevating the traditions of man above the doctrines of God. And this response of Jesus seems to have silenced his opponents. And if the Pharisees had anything in response to this warning that Jesus gives, Mark didn't think it was worth recording, and the scribes and Pharisees quietly withdraw from the scene. But Jesus wants to be sure that his followers understand what the argument was really about. And so beginning down in verse 14, Jesus gathers the people around to set the record straight about what makes a person unclean before God. Hear me all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. 
That is, these scribes and Pharisees, they think that the problem is out here. So they're trying to deal with the problem out here with the washing of hands and vessels and so on. But the real problem you need to be concerned with is not out here. It's in here. It's what comes out of the human heart that makes a man unacceptable to God and will cause him to poison all those around him. Well, you've just got to love the disciples. The disciples really do not understand at all what Jesus is saying. They get that Jesus is against the scribes and Pharisees, but, but as for what he's trying to teach here, they're, they're clueless. And so when the crowd goes away and they're gathered in the house, they pull their Lord aside and they, they say something along the lines of, um, Jesus, you know that, uh, that thing that you just said back there about the, you know, the clean and the unclean thing? What, what, what was that all about? And you can just hear Jesus' frustration in his response. Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside, that can't defile him? It doesn't enter his heart. It enters his stomach and, and is expelled, literally goes out into the latrine. It's not what's out there that's the problem. The problem is in here. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things, they come from within. And they are what defile a person. See, the Pharisees are not unlike those physicians at the Vienna General Hospital who thought that the cause of childbed fever was out there somewhere. They said, it's these fragile mothers and their prudish sensibilities that's causing them to get sick. When in fact, they the physicians. They were the source of the disease. Likewise, the Pharisees say that the problems of the world are caused by the, the sinners and the tax collectors, by the Samaritans and the Roman pagans out there. But what does our Lord say? No. No, no, it is what comes out of a person that defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come all the things that plague the world. Now, 700 years before this scene unfolded, the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Isaiah, who said this, All of us, all of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are nothing but filthy rags. Friends, Jesus is not just talking about other people's hearts. He's talking about you and me. For from within, out of the heart of every man and every woman, come all these things and they make us unclean. They make us unacceptable to God. They cause us to infect and poison those around us. Jesus is talking about all of us. And until we see ourselves in what our Lord is saying here in this teaching, until we can come to that place where we can read this catalog of items and look into our own hearts and say, yeah, I, I recognize some of that stuff. Some of that stuff's what comes out of here. 
Until we see ourselves in these words of Jesus, then we are like those physicians at the Vienna General Hospital who day after day after day went from the morgue to the maternity ward and brought their disease with them, poisoning the very persons they were meant to protect. Friends, we, we are unclean. The problem's not out there. It's in here. And since the problem is in here, then no amount of hand-washing or avoiding of foods or anything we do is going to deal with the problem. Back in 1988, Michael Jackson sang a hit song called Man in the Mirror. It was Jackson's 10th number one in the Billboard hit list. And that song got it half right. The refrain went like this. It'll be familiar to some of you. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. Now that refrain is spot on about the problem that our Lord is calling us to focus upon. The problem is the heart which beats within the chest of every man or woman in the mirror. But as for the solution to the problem, that song got it all wrong. Friends, you you and I do not have it within us to make what is unclean in here clean again. We cannot do it. But God can. Do you know that God the Father sent His Son into the world to minister to you? Do you know that God the Father sent Jesus into the world to serve you? It's mind-boggling that God sent His Son to go to those places in our hearts that are unclean and to make them clean again. How does He do that? He does it in two ways. Back in July, I had the privilege of serving on a leadership team of uh, what could be described as sort of an outward bound for ministers. We did some primitive camping um, up in the mountains of Colorado. And and while I say that I was on the leadership team, I have to put it in quotes because really I was just a glorified gopher. My job was basically to be the water boy. It's amazing how out in the wilderness you realize just how much we take clean water for granted. After an hour or so of hiking, you start to get really thirsty. Now, when you're up there in the mountains, you're you're rarely far from a beautiful, babbling mountain brook. And just looking at that clear water, you'd assume that you could drink it, but you can't. It's full of all sorts of parasites. You drink that water, and it'll make you sick as a cat. So my job was to go down to the stream and fill up this great big plastic bag with the word dirty printed in bold script right on the side. Haul it back up to camp, hang it on a tree, connect it to some rubber tubing that itself was connected to this filter that does some sort of sorcery that I don't understand so that what comes out on the other side flows into another great big plastic bag with the bold words clean written on the side. And sure enough, we drank that water all week. And it gave us life made us healthy. Friends, when you give your life to Christ, He places Himself as like a filter between you and the Father. 
So that whatever flows out of here, unclean as it may be, when it flows through Christ and his cross, it comes to the Father as crystal clear and life-giving. That's why we Christians, when we pray, we pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that when you come to the Father in prayer, my friends, you don't have to worry about everything that is unclean in here. You don't have to worry about getting your act together before you come to God. You just go to Him, as the old hymn put it, just as you are, trusting that Jesus and His cross can deal with everything in here that is unclean. So friends, whatever is in here, don't hold back. Or try to hide it from the Father. But take it to Him. And trust. Trust that Jesus and the cleansing power of His cross will take care of everything in here that's unclean. So first, Jesus places himself between you and the Father the moment that you give your life to him, and he promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. But there's a second way that Jesus ministers to the unclean heart of the man or woman in the mirror. Whereas in his first ministry, he places himself between us and the Father the instant we give our lives to him. His second ministry is a ministry that takes place in us over a lifetime. When you open your heart to the ministry of Jesus, he sends his Holy Spirit in your heart to begin cleaning up everything in here that's dirty. If the first ministry of Jesus could be pictured as a filter, then the second ministry is more like one of those professional cleaners, you know, that you have to call in when you've had a real disaster, like a fire or a flood, service masters and the like, the ones who can do things that you and I can't do. That's the kind of cleaning job the Holy Spirit does in the heart of the believer. Now, we don't have time to talk through every item that Jesus lists here in verses 21 and 22, but I just want to close with two examples to show you how this cleanup ministry of the Holy Spirit will work in your life. Let's talk about murder. Jesus said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder. But as Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, murder is just the tip of the iceberg. The real root problem down underneath is anger. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now why is anger the problem? Why would anger make us unclean? Friends, to understand that, you've got to go down deep into the heart. See, anger is just the response when deep down inside, something within us feels threatened. And whereas Jesus' anger was always righteous, his anger was always defending the things of God and the people of God, our anger, by contrast, it often rises up when we feel threatened or offended Think about the last time you chewed someone out or told someone off. Follow that anger down to the root and ask yourself, what within me felt threatened in that moment? Was I defending the things of God? Or was I just defending my own self-interest? 
Because, my friends, it's the latter when it's self-centered anger or self-righteous anger or self-justifying anger. That's the kind of anger that makes us unclean. Because that kind of anger arises out of that part of us that deep down inside does not believe that God is really on His throne. Does not believe that God can really be trusted to work things out for our good. And so we take matters into our own hands and we allow that anger to well up out of our recalcitrant unbelief that God is trustworthy. But when your heart is open to the purifying ministry of the Holy Spirit, then Holy Spirit will come in and begin to show you those deep doubts within. And Holy Spirit will say, let me teach you how to trust God. Let me teach you how to rest in His providence and care. Let me give you the spiritual eyes to see God Almighty on His throne working His purposes out. If you'll let me do that, Holy Spirit will say, then you'll discover over time that your self-centered anger, that anger which defiles, it will slowly begin to subside as your heart comes to learn just how trustworthy I am. Friends, that's how the cleanup ministry of the Holy Spirit works on anger. Talk about one more very quickly. Let's talk about how the cleanup ministry of the Holy Spirit works on sexual immorality. And I just want to point out, and this is a minor point, but worth noting, that three of the items in Jesus' list here have to do with human intimacy. Jesus lists sexual immorality, adultery, and sensuality. And with these three, Jesus covers the entire landscape of human intimacy. And I just point this out because when I was in high school and college, all sorts of people were saying to me, you know, Jesus doesn't care about what we do with our bodies. Now, Paul in the Old Testament, they were concerned about matters of human intimacy, but, but Jesus doesn't care. So just in case any of you have been given that same line, we, we need to set the record straight. Jesus does care about what we do with our bodies. So how does he minister to us in these areas? Well, for some, not all, but for some, the uncleanliness that Jesus is concerned about here relating to human intimacy, it can arise out of brokenness and pain. For example, if your parents were cold and distant, if they never gave you the kind of affection that went deep down in your heart, then you can, you can end up with a kind of what I would call an affection deficit. And that kind of affection deficit can leave a person desperately looking for love in all the wrong places. And if that's where you are, and if you're willing to invite Holy Spirit in, then He will begin to show you those places in your heart where there is an affection deficit, and He will begin to pour the love of God in such that over time, your desire to seek affection in ways that will poison your heart and your relationships, that desire will begin to wane as Holy Spirit teaches you how to receive the great affection of God. Now these are just two examples. Murder, sexual immorality of how the cleansing ministry of Jesus can begin to work deep down inside. 
But the point is this. The cleansing ministry of the Holy Spirit is a healing ministry. And it's a healing ministry that each and every one of us needs and that God in His mercy is eager to give. Friends, there are all sorts of problems out there. But our Lord calls us to look at the problem within and to invite Him in to do the work in us that He wants to do. So why don't we go now to Him in prayer and ask just that. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, indeed to You all hearts are open. All desires are known. And from You no secrets are hid. So come, we pray, and cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of Your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, stand between us and the Father, filtering out all that is unclean in us as we approach Him with boldness in prayer. And send us your spirit, we pray, to those unclean places in our hearts and cleanse them with your healing power. For we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.